Hey everyone, welcome back um, to the ZDog MD show, the podcast version. There's no video for what um, we're releasing today, so this is exclusive to podcast listeners. Um, I want to say one thing, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, you guys will notice the last few shows and interviews and videos we've done have been really on the subject of awakening and seeing through the illusion of self, which is the source of really all suffering, really, when you get down to it. And I think there are a lot of people who are interested in this in my audience, and there are some that really aren't, that they're here for the medical conversations, the interviews, maybe the music parodies, that kind of thing. And I just wanna let you all know, that's totally cool. Like, we're gonna keep doing that. This is a variety show, like The Muppet Show. <laughs> it just so happens I'm really passionate about what I'm talking about today. And so you'll see quite a bit of that content, but if it's not for you, if it doesn't speak to you, just move on to the next thing. And But I don't think you need to abandon ship because the stuff that you originally came for is really still here. Um, now that said, today's conversation is again with uh, Suzanne Chang. So she has a YouTube channel called Suzanne Non-Duality where she points from her own experience at what it's like to have the sense of self, the illusion that was never really there. It's an energetic pattern. What happens when that starts to die? What is realized? What is awakened? And what is life like? And how can it really point to the end of suffering in this lifetime? And she's so direct, authentic, and straightforward about it that it's just a beautiful expression. And so she came up and visited. We did a show uh, with her and my wife and our, our supporters could see the full show and everything else was released publicly. And so people may be familiar with her from my show and from watching her. But this conversation we had, we weren't really initially intending to even release. It was a conversation she and I were just having and we decided, well, let's record it and see if there's anything here, maybe we can release it for people if it's helpful for them. But it's really she and I just talking. And uh, after we listened to it back, we were like, yeah, I think we should put this out. It's really quite direct. So you'll notice it's it's kind of very natural conversation. It starts midstream. We're just talking about her losing her sense of self, which she calls dying, and what it's like making YouTube videos now. And uh, so we start right mid-conversation and it ends a little abruptly too. But you'll notice there's a lot of silence where really that's where a lot of the communication is. It's this kind of understanding that that silence is where the action is. So you'll notice that there'll be these silences and if possible, listen to it with that attunement. It's almost like in those portions in particular, it's like a meditation. And because she's pointing, we're both pointing from our direct experience in this moment of what this is. And it can't be taught, it can't be intellectualized, it can't be conceptualized, it's beyond the typical function of the mind. And so it's often in that silence that the that, that really is where the action is. So that said, in this one, there are a lot of spoilers for Netflix's show Beef because we talk about it from a spirituality standpoint. And so if you haven't watched the show, but you intend to, maybe don't listen to this yet. Listen to it after you've seen the show. But if you're not planning to watch the show or you've seen it, you'll, get, you'll still get a lot of out, I think, of our discussion around that. <clears throat> so in this episode, we talk about what it's like doing creativity, music, YouTube, when there's no sense of a self apart from everything that is. Um, we talk about Netflix's beef from a awakening perspective. 
We talk about holding emotion in the body and the energetics of what happens when emotions allowed to be expressed as it is. And that relates to repressed anger and road rage, which I tell a story about. Uh, Suzanne talks about her impressions of me and whether I seem happy or not. Uh, we talk about her visit and our last dinner with my wife and her, which is really funny. And uh, my own wife's awakening shift that was catalyzed by her visit. We talk about what it's like with spontaneous action post-awakening when there's no self or no doer or no agent to do the action. Intense emotion and stillness what depression and mood, quote unquote, are like pre and post awakening for me. Mind identification versus what it's like really feeling the body. Um, Suzanne's experience of emptying out and the loss of a sense of self apart and what the helper personality type is like before and after. Um, we talk about radical acceptance of how our bodies actually are rather than how we like them to be the role of surrender and complete relinquishment in this process. It's a crucial role. David Carse's book, Perfect Brilliant Stillness, the primary importance of no self-realization um, or a kind of energetic internal death and how going to the darkest places inside is, is actually necessary to release the bonds of identity. Um, it's very paradoxical. You have to go where you're afraid to look. And that relates to the nature of shame and brokenness and much, much more. So without further ado, we'll launch right into the discussion mid-sentence with Suzanne Chang. And here you go. I, I mean, I've kind of noticed that I, this, this also really isn't true, but I felt lucky that I started the YouTube and, and got used to doing that kind of stuff before I died because I don't know, you know, the motivation to, to really learn something new is really different. I believe that. And actually, like when you talk about, if, if I didn't have the momentum of what I have now from all these years of doing this stuff, I wouldn't want to say a word about this like exactly. to anyone. Yeah. Because you can't say anything. And, and everything that you say about it, is it's almost seen to be, it's the delusion speaking delusion speak about something that is an understanding, not a intellectual knowing. So it seems foolish, but then, but, but then all the causes and conditions that led to us making YouTube videos put us in a position where it's easy to just turn on a camera and talk authentically. And it turns out some people seem to resonate with the where we're pointing, not the words. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of yeah, kind of a gratitude arises for all of it. I, I was in the car this morning taking my kids to school and I have to give a talk like later this month in Sacramento for an organization that rep represents America's like public health laboratories. So they do like newborn screening and HIV and COVID and all this other stuff. They're like government run clinics. Mm. And they've, you know, they're pretty burned out. It's been a miserable pandemic and all of that. And I was one of the, they want me to perform a song called In the Lab, which was a parody I did of a 50 cent rap, like that went <laughs> kind of crazy viral, has millions of views and all this stuff. And it was, it almost feels from like, it was from a past life in a way. And so 
I was relearning the song. I was driving with my kids, listening to this song. Mm. And I was like, you know, that whole past life, I can see it now. Like it wasn't me. Like mm -hmm. th there was nobody there doing it. And so I can enjoy that song. Like it was, I'm hearing it for the first time and I was laughing and like giggling and like screaming at the kids. And I was like, whoever wrote this, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. I was like, oh, cause it used to be so wrapped up with identity. Like, oh man, I could have done this better. I, I, why did I, why did I do this? Oh, I'm so stupid trying to be funny doing this. And now I just listen to it and I'm like, oh, this is a funny little song. Like it's kind of yeah. clever about the lab. Yeah. Aw, so that's really sweet. Gratitude. There's a, yeah, there's like a sweetness <laughs> to seeing it that way. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost like a beginner mind that they call it in Zen, but it's not because you still have all the memory and conditioning of it, but mm. it's just seen differently. Yeah, it's seen as like, it's seen with gratitude and as, as an arising. Mm. Um, yeah. It's also just kind of fun. You're like, oh, that's fun. Like, I, I don't know why I took that so seriously, why that was so heavy. Like, it's right. just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's more neutral. Like, every part of all of it is just like, it's kind of like you looking at someone else's video. Because you wouldn't, mm. like, I definitely wouldn't be as nitpicky with other people's stuff, but... I used to be with my stuff, like so nitpicky about the silliest things. And yeah. Oh, I just... know that. Yeah, that feeling of, um, it's a kind of an ownership. And, and look, 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 in a creative process, you need some of that. That's what drives the, the kind of perfectionism drives the art sometimes because you can have the vision of it, but then when you execute it, like it's the blood, sweat and tears, like authors will say, yeah, I mean, I have the idea, but it's the rewrites and the rewrites and the rewrites and the rewrites that chisel it, chisel away all the marble and underneath is the actual statue. And mm. um, so to a degree, I'm even grateful for that kind of neurosis because it allowed, like, and my team used to hate me. Like they, they would say, God, you're so <laughs> fucking anal. Like Aww. just, it's good enough. I'm like, it's not good enough. Like this is really obnoxious. You can't have this part like that. And this edit is like four frames too long. Like it's four frames too long and it, it destroys the feeling of what I'm trying to convey. And they'd be like, it's four fucking frames. Like mm. that's those, that's not even half a second of footage. But then I would change it and we would look at it and go, yeah, that is better. And then when the whole thing kind of, and they would do that to me too. They'd be like, no, 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 you're really attached to this piece, but this little part of it is just not good. It's gotta go. And I'd be like, no, it's the best part. Nope, it's gotta go. And we take it away and I would see it and go, oh, they're absolutely right. And, <laughs> and that's why it's nice too, like having somebody to bounce, having a team that kind of goes back and forth from a creative standpoint, it, it really is helpful because you get out of your own identification with what it is you're doing. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do wonder what it is like for you to come from doing that with videography and being the perfectionist, but then also seeing it probably diminish in a lot of ways too, maybe? Mm, now? Mm. Or is it? I don't know. It's... um. It's so different now because it's like you said, like I think if I hadn't done all this prior, 
at this stage of wherever, how I see things, it's impossible to, it's, it's very hard to hold things like that. It's very hard to get obsessive about that stuff, but it's much more natural. Like, I feel more like my cat, <laughs> like now, mm-hmm. like, you know, who you've met, of course, Mitch, yeah. the cat, she, um, she just is, just does what feels correct based on her instinctual knowing at that moment. And there's no future or past. There's just what she's doing. And that's how it feels. Like yesterday mm-hmm. I put out a video on, on that I think you saw on, um, Beef, the yeah. Netflix show. Mm. And I didn't know I was going to make that video. And I wasn't planning to make any videos that day. And um, whereas in, in the past, it was always like, okay, these, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. And then I'd go and improv a few takes and just do it. But this one, it was like, oh, I just, my, my assistant Risa was like, oh, you should talk about what you just told me about beef. And I was <laughs> like, oh yeah, why not? Who cares? No one's going to watch it, but I'll, I'll do it. And um and that's just like sit down in front of the camera, hit record and go. Yeah. And that feels, man, but I would have obsessed over that kind of shit before. I'd have been like, oh, wait, no. And then we got to go get it captioned. And then I have to do this and I have to make sure to edit this. And now it's like, mm. nope, that's what I feel like saying. I put it out in the world. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, that's fine. And if no one watches it, that's cool too. And if it's totally off topic for what my channel does, that's also fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I prof- liked it. My- I really liked it. It seemed very oh. just spontaneous in the moment. And I love that you were also emotional and yeah, it was just really nice. Ah, that's sweet. It, uh, it was, a, it was in a way I'm realizing, like, I think I might've even said this in the video. It was like my way of getting that off your feeling. chest. Kinda. Yeah. I was sitting with it in the body. Like I could feel it. It wouldn't let me sleep because wow. what was yeah, it? I just kind of bit, you know, what it was, was all the human delusional suffering that happens that I recognize because I suffer it or have suffered mm. it. Um, and seeing it in characters that I could relate to, like what was interesting mm. in beef is I could relate to Amy, the Ali Wong character, because she used success and striving and, you know, kind of material success and reputational success as a way to to kind of deflect from her own feelings of like reality is not real. Like there's some emptiness at the core of it or there's shame or there's something Mm -hmm. going on. So I, I definitely related to that. But then I also related to Danny who came from a totally different socioeconomic background and was just trying to make his parents feel like, you know, he was worth something yeah. and, you know, like something like that and his, his loneliness and, you know, kind of mm. controlling his brother. And, the, and it was kind of like, oh, and then seeing them play out this human play of delusion, projection, yeah. denial, repression, and then having the catharsis at the end of it uh, be so emotionally engaging for me. Like I was just like, wow, I feel traumatized watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's still unfolding for me. So it's like, oh God. And uh, and Margaret, my, my wife, Margaret, wouldn't even watch it because the first couple episodes, she was so like, oh God, this is too much. Like, mm. um, you know, because she's so freshly like kind of shifted and just, oh. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'll take a hit for the team. I'll watch the whole thing. And I'm really <laughs> glad I did. Yeah, it's it yeah. really wonderful. Yeah, you, you've, you saw it, you binged it too, yeah? 
Well, I mean, I I watched the beginning a while ago, and then I was into it, and then I was like, yeah, this is too much.、Um, yeah. And usually, I've been feeling like that with a lot of entertainment. But then, once you mentioned you binge watched it, and then you made a video, and then I got curious, and I was like, yeah, I'll just, <laughs> I'll do that too. <laughs>、um, so how how did you? What was your experience? Um. I don't. I don't think that those things really get to me anymore. Like it's, it's definitely harder for me to relate to people's stories in the way that felt familiar to me, like in a、mm. really emotional sense. So, uh, it just felt like I was I was watching it and it was fine. And then, the last episode was just so beautifully done, and the part where. They were pretty much high or dying, and then that moment where their voices just merge,、mm. and yeah, I don't know. I wasn't really thinking about it, but there was just such beauty to what was happening.、Um, and when when they did see each other's innocence. Like this, such a deep understanding, kind of like this.、Um, yeah, you explained it really well in your video. Yeah, that's what this is like. That's what awakening is like. You just see the absolute, total. Like, of course you did that. Of course you couldn't have done any anything different.、Um, Yeah, and then you you feel and see that for yourself for your whole past, and then that's when it vanishes. It just it literally vanishes, as if it never happened.、Mm. That that that's beautifully put. That's exactly it. Uh, and it and it and it felt like that watching it the first time. I, I, I was that's how it felt. It was like, oh,、mm, of course, that's awakening. That's exactly right. It's the innocence of everything, and the perfection、yeah. of it because it couldn't have been otherwise. And what's interesting? It's interesting. A couple things like that you really were able to watch that with equanimity is. I think a, a kind of a hallmark of exactly that knowing, that understanding.、Mm. It, it, it's like, yeah, that's how it is. And for me, it's still there's so much kind of energetic shadow that is being felt that I can feel it intensely, so intensely that it's almost, you know, it's like the entire, it's the entirety of the universe. Mm-hmm. And um. And and then、yeah. it's kind of gone. But for me, the interesting thing is, I'm a kind of a verbal processor of things. So it's weird afterwards. Then I feel this compulsion to be like, "Oh, this is what I saw there." Like it's、mm-hmm. weird. No, it's part that's of the beautiful. Yeah, I th- I feel like I've I think that's just helpful in general too. That is how we process things, you know. <clears throat> like that's one way.、Mm. Um, 
Yeah, for sure. I feel like when I was going through more of the emotional stuff, uh, yeah, there was things that I would watch and it would hit me exactly where, not even exactly where it needed to hit me. It was just like, it just perfectly mirrored whatever was in here. And you you can... I do remember feeling like overly emotional and also mm. feeling like it wasn't my sadness. It was just pure, almost overwhelming sadness. Yes. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. Like it could feel so like, why, why does this feel so intense? This is like <laughs> weird. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's exactly it is, it at no point does, and I had that experience sitting and watching it with my AirPods in, with the noise canceling on. So the kids were upstairs making noise. My wife was on a call, and I was just so absorbed in this. But it wasn't a, it, it wasn't about me. It's exactly that. It, it didn't feel like my sadness, or I was remembering stuff in my past, or I was holding my sort of pain. It was just pain, just sadness, just grief, just shame, mm -hmm. like pure. And yeah. so intense, so intense that you have the physiologic reaction as if you're experiencing that emotion. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, Margaret was like, man, you seem really uh, like, like you've been traumatized in some way. She didn't know I'd watched it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's what it feels like. Like I, I feel. And so that, that evening after watching that, this is interesting. I, I didn't say this in the video. Um, she, she could tell that I was like, just, there was a lot of energy. And um, so she does this thing where now it's all instinctual and she seems to enjoy it because it, she feels it energetically too, but she'll, I'll just, we'll lay on the bed. She'll be up at the head of the bed and I'll be like, my head will be on a pillow in her lap and she'll mm -hmm. just move energy around with her hands. Like yeah. it's hard to describe, you know, and you know how this is. And, and uh, so she was doing that and usually it takes a little while for it to start really flowing. But when it does like unpredictable things seem to happen. Like I may start laughing uncontrollably or I may start crying uncontrollably, or it may just be like muscle contractions will happen, but it's definitely mm -hmm. energetic and you can feel it. And she's like very intuitive about it. And so yeah. uh, she started doing that. And that's when like all that energy, like I could feel it, like all the grief and the sadness and the shame and all that would just, it was just arising. And I was, I was, you know, my eyes are closed, so I'm almost not even there, but it's just the pure emotion and just sobbing and, you know, like a child that, you know, has been through some kind of trauma. And, uh, and then after all that's done, it's a, it's a lightness. It's like, a, oh, okay. That just needed to be expressed. Like that was living in the body somewhere and it's not mm -hmm. even mine. It's just the, this energy, there's no ownership of it, mm -hmm. but yeah, it, was, it felt really, it felt really good to have that ability to allow that to pass through yeah yeah there's gonna be um i mean i think you're already pretty open to intense emotions and stuff but yeah it it definitely has this cathartic 
feel like in the moment is so intense and yeah I remember feeling like is this ever gonna stop like I'm just sobbing all of a sudden for like you know who knows how long 10-20 minutes and then it's completely gone as if it never happened I'm like what is going on why (laughs) (laughs) that's it yeah (laughs) yeah you you feel like you feel like you're going crazy a little bit, but you also, there's a deeper knowing that it's actually lawful and totally right and exactly this. Mm. Like that's already known. So you can, you can absolutely allow it. And, yeah. you know, that's, ac- it's actually interesting because I think a lot of people have this happen and they don't have any context or container yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. And they think, they think, oh, this, this used to happen in, the early days when I would meditate, I would find myself becoming very reactive, like more reactive. Yeah. And um, and I would just blame the meditation. I'd be like, oh, this thing's destabilizing me in some way or um, right. I'm losing it a little, you know, like I, I shouldn't do this anymore. And I would stop. And uh, it's actually the opposite, I think. It's like, oh no, this is this is the opening that allows you to go back and feel all those things that, your mind was trying to put the brakes on because it wants control and it wants to preserve its identity and so on. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have a good context for that and that that can happen, the mind will, of course, go to just like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? This is bad. I should stop. Or like, it'll say anything. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was telling <clears throat> Angelo, uh, cause, um, we were talking about road rage cause he was watching beef cause he saw my video <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and, it, and it's weird. Like I, I have this thing where, um, you know, I, I have a lot of repressed anger. I, I know that already. Cause it'll come out when I, when my boundaries are finally violated, like, um, mm. Enough when they're when they're violated enough. So like it'll happen, it'll happen, it'll happen. I'll put a put the screws on it. I'll gloss it over. I'll avoid it, and then it will just be like an insane blow up. Like, mm. you know, and my, I, I want to see you angry. Oh, it's delightful. Um, <laughs> you, it's delightful. People get very like, yeah. When my family sees it, because it's never usually at them. It's usually at something else. But they're there. They're just uh-huh. like, oh dear, like that is frightening. Cause it, mm. it, it, it's like it's zero to a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to road rage, it's interesting. Like I never really get mad at drivers that are bad or who cut me off or do anything to me. It doesn't bother me. I'm just like, okay. oh man, this guy's kind of doesn't know what they're doing. And then I make mistakes on the road and I'm just like, well, I feel bad. I feel a little shame. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. No, whoa, that was a mistake. I got to be more careful about that. Like, oh man. But but this is a situation that will trigger me. And it's when someone else does something that is their fault and then they get mad or honk at me. And <laughs> it's interesting because this, this happens a handful of times. And when it happens, because it's interesting, the unconscious brain is already scanning the area and driving and kind of running all this stuff. So it kind of knows on a deep level what's what's going on. And so something will happen. And then the person will start honking at me and you can see them looking angry and like gesturing and that kind of thing. 
And I immediately assess the situation and I'm like, oh no, that's my right of way. And you're the one making the mistake and screwing mm-hmm. this up. But now you're angry with me. And for yeah. some reason, I don't know what the conditioning is, but it triggers an instant escalation to insane amounts of anger being released. And, um, (laughs) you know, to the point where I'll stop, I will roll the window down. I will start shouting. I won't move. It's, it's almost like a freeze (laughs) response, but opposite. (laughs) And, um, it literally, it's a couple clicks away from me getting out of the car and like getting in someone's face. And it doesn't matter who they are. They could be like this seven foot tall dude that looks dangerous. Like I don't care. And, um, and so so this this has happened historically and my kids have witnessed it and they get, they're like, dad, what the hell, dude? Mm. And my wife has witnessed it and she's like, yeah, you were in the right, but so what? I'm like, no, there's something there that cannot abide this kind mm. of injustice. And, and I'm sure it comes from some shame response, but whatever it is, so it happened, this is how it went down two days ago. So it, I'm, I'm pulling to a parking lot and this woman cuts me off or something and then starts honking at me and gesturing. Mm. And what's crazy is, and my wife was in the car. What's crazy is normally I feel an immediate flush of rage and, and start, you know, the behavior follows the rage this time out of my mouth at normal volume was something like you're fucking wrong, bitch. Don't make me get out of the car and fucking start killing everybody here or something like that. I said something just very casually like that (laughs) and like, just like kind of like, you know, expression of that, but there was no anger in the body. There was no body response and it was just Mm. gone as soon as it happened. And I turned to my wife and I was like, Hey, how about that? I just said that completely unconsciously. And Uh And that was it. And she was like, yeah, usually you would just be like already out of the car yelling and screaming because <laughs> that woman was in the wrong. <laughs> and uh, so something has happened to disconnect that 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 sort of identification with anger that seemed to happen. Um, oh. So I'm just curious to see where, where it ends up going. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. You know what? One thing I did notice about you Um that you're well i i've i only like i spent a week with you so it's always hard to tell but you're just very pleasant you're like you're pretty much uh like have a smile on your face and you're you're really positive about whatever happens and I don't know if that's like part of your the sort of spiritual stuff. Like there is this deepening of like, yeah, everything is really seen as perfection, no matter what it is. Um, but yeah, I could kind of sense like you are really happy, <laughs> like a lot. Hmm. You know, you you telling this to me really. <laughs> It's funny, I'm struggling with is what that is. Cause if you not, talk to people if, who've known. Yeah, not oh, that it's ahead. a bad thing. I'm I don't know. That's just a oh, no, no, no. observation. I, I I personally think it's an aspiration of mine to be as you describe. But ah. here's yeah, so what's interesting is if you talk to friends who've known me for years prior to any of this journey. Uh, mm-hmm. they'll say, you know, the thing about Z is he's a, he's just a 
a, a perpetual misanthrope, like doesn't love people and certainly s- tends to take the sarcastic, pessimistic view and is mm. never quite hap- happy with where he is or what he has. And no, no, no accomplishment or positive thing lasts for him. That's probably what they would mm. say, which actually got me back to another thing in, in beef where everything fades. She says, everything fades. And it's mm-hmm. this idea of in, the impermanence of happiness in the relative. You can't, you just won't obtain it by, by but in the way you think, mm-hmm. you know, through this kind of pursuit. And so I've always, that's always been a struggle for me is like, why can't I be happy? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't this be enough? And what's, what's really interesting is now much more, especially um, in the last few months, it's been different. It's been like, oh, this is enough. This is perfect. This is absolute radiant perfection. And then mm. when you came, because you're a you're a, such a clear vessel of this, like you just having you a few feet from me in a car, say, you can feel it. You're like, oh, everything is perfect. Like there's no one here to disagree. It's it's just all happening perfectly. And so it's interesting that that was your perception because that's how it felt on my end. I was like, oh God, Mm -hmm. this is so perfect. And that's not necessarily historically how I am. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when Margaret had her shift now, you know, like for the last month, she'd been on sabbatical, she's back to work now. It was, it felt like that for the most part, there were a few glitches in there, right? Where it was just like, ooh, ooh, God, what is this seeking? Mm -hmm. And then back to, oh, any decision we make is perfect. Like anything we Mm. do, even when it's not comfortable, even when classically it's not good, it's still, yeah. So it's, this is new. Aw, that's really nice. Yeah. Well, I kind of fed off your energy too. Because, you know, I've been in solitude for a really long time. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I haven't I, I, been like, I've been Zooming with people, but you know what I mean? Like physically around I do. people. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I did feel a little bad because I thought, you know, I don't want to like, she's going to come out here and I'm going to activate her. Like I'm going to, because that's my personality is like. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah, it's kind of activate people and engage. And, and I don't know if that was necessarily the right thing because it, well, there's no right and wrong thing, but it, it, it just, I was cognizant of it. I was like, you know, there is this mm. general momentum to try to apply my general personality <laughs> to all comers. And, uh, <laughs> mm. and yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, it's not something actually that I necessarily want. Um, I just want you to be you and be comfortable and, and uh, mm. yeah, yeah. But, I think um, I think we got used to each other. I actually really appreciated it, and I liked that it brought up parts of my personality that I haven't seen in a long time. So mm. it was just pleasant, and mm. I, yeah, almost felt like just very light and free, free to joke, free to, um, yeah. Have fun. We had a lot of fun. Like it was, I thought it was yeah. really good. Yeah, we had a really good time. I, I, mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, I, th- I think that's how it felt to me. I was like, oh, this is just a lot of fun because there's no, again, like the stakes are zero because there's nobody, it's kind of known on this instinctual level that this is all perfectly perfect. And uh, you know, the one, one thing that sticks out in my mind is when you, me and Margaret went to that Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. The last and dinner. I like, yeah. I think that was the last, was that the last yeah. one? It might oh my God. That yeah. was, yeah. I think it that was, was the so... most memorable, uh, probably part of us interacting. Cause it, yeah, it was explosive in yeah. a lot of different ways. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was so good. And, uh, yeah, Margaret feels the same way. I was, it was at, the, at that restaurant that we've been to a million times. And that was the first time I've ever experienced any of that. Like, I was like, oh, this is like the perfect set of, yeah, th- I'm, I'm thinking about it now. It's like, which is never a good idea, but this, this is how I kind of feel it when I'm sitting back there. It's like, this is how humans interact when the understanding is there, that reality is actually like this. So what mm. happens then when humans are free to interact completely uninhibited on this level, everything is seen perfectly. It's hilarious. Even the foibles of the waiter who was so paternalistic <laughs> and was putting, moving my napkin and you, and you gave me a look. It was so, it was the funniest thing I think that's happened to me in recent memory. Like this guy comes, I move my stuff to the right and to the left oh and then God. you're, and, and then he, he just takes it he, and moves it the He's just manhandling side. you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he beat me down like a dog that had just been like, no, you like put his, put my nose in my own feces on the ground. But, like, you don't poo here. <laughs> but his expression was like, there was no expression. It's, it was, <laughs> it was he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't was totally, doing anything yeah. on purpose or anything. It was just like, <laughs> he, he did whatever to like, you. <laughs> exactly. He was like an AI, just like running its program. Like, nope, yeah, you're not doing this. Yeah. You, do, you do this. <laughs> And and so when that he, happened, wait, did he put his your napkin on your lap? Is that what happened? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I had put yeah. it up on the table, and he put it on my lap. <laughs> and and so so this was the so for people anybody who's listening, if we ever release this, this is just our conversation. But Margaret's on my right. I'm sitting next to Margaret. You're sitting across from me, and it's a small table in this intimate little restaurant. And there's a skylight above us, so there's this natural light streaming in. And the place is mostly empty. And, uh, and so he, you're across from me. So he does this to me. And I, of course, immediately have judged the situation. Like, I'm like, oh God, this guy, look at this guy. What's he doing? And I thought I must be the only one who sees this. I look up at you and the, the fucking look on your face. <laughs> you, you gave me a look like, huh? Like, can you even believe what just happened? And, uh, and I, I started, I, I, I barely could hold it together. It was the funniest <laughs> thing. It was all energetic transmission. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he so, had no clue what he was doing. He was just, he didn't even look at any of us. He was just doing his thing and just doing his thing. Yeah. Yeah. On yeah, autopilot. That was, that was awesome. I wish, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had videotaped that. <laughs> <laughs> We do have pictures from the dinner. We should share them at some point because they were nice. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So people can contextualize <laughs> <laughs> what the scene was. But yeah, the, the waiter was such a hoot. And then like, wasn't it like you didn't know like what 
spaghetti bolognese was or something. And when it mm. came, you were like, is this what it is? And like, yeah. you tried to take my dish. And <laughs> it was all very confusing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I thought it was going to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the taste of mine more. It did taste really good. Yours was good. I actually was coveting it a little bit because um, it did <laughs> it did look good. I think we ended up taking it home, some of it for my kids because they, yeah. oh yeah, they were texting the whole time. We hungry, where's our food? <laughs> and I was like, you know, yeah. can the grownups have a meal for once? But yeah, yeah. But that, but that, yeah. that I think was the, the apex of like that natural lovely, fun, the personalities were there, but it, they weren't, they, mm -hmm. it, they weren't owned. Yeah. It was really, really, really awesome. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was beautiful. Like how open Margaret was. I mean, she was open the whole time, but yeah, especially during that dinner and then yeah. Afterwards. Oh and, yeah. 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 Yeah, that that honeymoon period of openness, um, that radical openness, um, mm -hmm. it does close off. It closes off a bit for both of us in the sense that the conditioning of the world that we're thrown back into after her sabbatical's over and you're mm -hmm. gone and our and our time of unobstructed time together. Because after you left, like we had two weeks of just beautiful, like all we were just together the whole time and mm -hmm. just lovely. And um, so the world comes back and there's some anxiety about kind of arises about, oh, is, is this going to fade? Is this, and there are some signs sometimes that arise that you're like, oh, that's our old conditioning. And, mm -hmm. uh, and what's interesting is I think we're both so aware of it. Like we're like, oh yeah. And so sometimes she'll just be like, hey, come here. And, and she'll tell that I'm contracted or whatever. So she'll lay me down and do that thing, you know, with the moving the energy around and, and I'll, yeah. I'll open back up. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. And for her, for her, it, it, it is like, you know, her schedule's so crazy now, but she's handling it so differently than pre-shift or whatever this non-event is that mm -hmm. um, she's really doing amazingly. I'm, I'm just so impressed. Like I'm just, just from, as it, from a relative standpoint, I'm like, wow. But, but you can yeah. tell there is all that pressure and um, there's a part of me that just wants to whisk us away and go sit, you know, silently somewhere. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where, you know? Um, and I think we'll do much more of that. It's just kind of naturally shows up and we take walks every day if we can. And yeah, but uh, I think yeah. there's a lot of miss, you know, like it, this is all part of the, you, you wrote it in that night, that beautiful card you wrote to us at the end. It was like, you know, sometimes these things will conditioning comes back, doubt comes back and you just see it as, mm -hmm. yeah, of course. That's all part of it. Yeah. I mean, now, now the conditioning can come back and there can still be all the reactions toward it, but overall there's still a lightness to it. So then you can, yeah, you don't have to be owned by it anymore. Actually, it like it's partially running on its own. That is true. But sometimes the pain that it causes is so much more obvious that it's like, nope, not doing that anymore. And then it can uh, still come up, you know, over and over. But it's just like constantly the pain is so, so much more there. You can't suppress it. You can't hide it. 
So it's just like over and over, your body's learning so much faster. Like, nope, not doing that anymore. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so true. It's so true. And, and this isn't often said a lot in kind of circles. It's, it, it, it's impossible to ignore these feelings. It's impossible to ignore when your body's telling you, no, this is not okay. You can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, for us, it, it shows up a few different ways. Like sometimes Margaret will just be really like physically incapacitated, like just, it's just so emotional or is so like almost lightheaded mm. because mm-hmm. some sensations coming up. And so she'll just sit for a bit and it'll pass and she'll feel it. Or we think we're going to do something and we're trying to plan it out. And we're like, you know what? We're not doing that. That's just not right. Mm-hmm. We're not doing it. We're just going to go take a walk and we're going to take this trail. Yep. Sounds right. Okay. And you go do it. So th- mm. there's a kind of a certainty too of like the body just knows what it's supposed to do. When it's time to work, it works. When it's time to answer an email, it answers an email. And mm. if that's out of, if it's apparently out of alignment, which it really can't be, but if it's felt that there's a friction, you feel it so strongly. You're like, ooh, like I tried to force myself to exercise yesterday. Cause I was like, you know, I just haven't really gotten outside and Margaret's working all day. I should go take a walk myself. And my mm-hmm. body just told me, nope, you're not doing that. <laughs> you, and it just, it told me energetically. It was like, oh, it just felt something. It's like, dude, the, the, the idea of being outside walking on this trail is feels so wrong, even though intellectually it's exactly the right thing to do because I have this window, I should go do it, uh, that I just decided I'm not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even decide. It was just like, nope, this isn't happening. Whereas in the old days, it's like you force yourself to go to the gym. You force yourself to stay in a routine. You force yourself because your mind tells you, well, this is the structure I need and I need these outcomes and I need this to be, you know, this causality to happen. Yeah. And now there's just a trust. And it's just like, no, none of that's necessary to live a life that's actually very fulfilled. You just live the life. The life lives you, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can't live through um, like storyland anymore as much, you know? Like it could appear, but it's like the rea- the unreality of it is much more obvious. Mm. So, Definitely. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's seen for what it is, which is storyland, like you said. It's just yeah. storyland. It's... Uh, you yeah. you you were talking Oh yeah, go ahead. Um well, I was going to say that I think um what keeps happening is like you're confronted over and over with these structures that you've lived by in all of these different areas of your life, whether it be food, relationship with your body, uh, intimate relationship, relationship with entertainment, like whatever it is, you're confronted with all of the ways that you like had a path or, or this way of being with it. And it's just going to keep falling. It's just going to keep melting and you're constantly left with nothing. 
it's <laughs> constantly like, well, I don't know. I actually don't know. My mind is still telling me stuff, but like, actually, I just don't know. And internally, it will just keep stirring up any sense of discomfort that arises from that. Like constantly seeing that actually nothing's known. And then there can become this point where you don't, you actually don't feel anything. You're, it's just complete emptiness. And um, it's not exactly like this, but that is part of the freedom. You're not, you're not controlled in any way. Like there's just complete freedom. Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. So I had like a teeny tiny round of that again yesterday of like, this, this gets subtler and subtler. So I, I, I felt disoriented again and I felt like I didn't know mm. anything again. And there was a sense that also it didn't matter and I didn't really care, but there was this subtle panic and the panic was everything. So even though it was really subtle, like, um, it's so hard to describe. It's like, it's like little ripples, but the ripples feel, feel like waves because Infinite. that's all there is. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Yesterday was kind of really beautiful that it, mm. I felt this sense of lost again, um, like kind of directionless. And I, I have no idea why I do anything. I literally don't. Mm. Uh, and that's when the mind panics. It's like, it panics about anything and everything. But once you ride that wave or just let the wave pass, then you go deeper. You're emptier. Mm. You're at rest, you know? There's just rest. You're not really at rest. It's almost like the wave... The wave is going to arise and you can either try to stand against it and <laughs> resist it by generating more waves and more thought and more turbulence, or you just allow it to take you. And when it passes, the stillness of, of the ocean is just there. It's just the nature of it. Mm. And it's that resistance that the mind often just kind of instinctually does that generates all the turbulence and when the when the resistance drops and you just allow the panic 
then it's, like you said, it's here and then it's gone and there's a deeper stillness. And mm-hmm. I think that's a that probably is a good insight as to maybe why it's often after the most intense emotion or the intense energetics of that, that I walk around like I've just dropped three tabs of acid because everything looks like it's brand new. You know, like mm. it's, it's, it's a real view. Mm. And, uh, and I don't think that's people's instinct to allow that. I think it's people's instincts to resist. I know. And sometimes it's, it's just, the opposite. Yeah. It's the opposite, it's the opposite exactly. what, of what everyone is conditioned how everyone is conditioned to relate to that stuff. Mm. Uh, that's why that's why part of the the ripples is the conditioning around everything that comes up, which basically is panic, worry, concern, obsessive. Um, but really, it's not for it's not coming up for you to believe it. It's like it's just coming up to be cleared out, but it feels horrible. Ooh. That's really beautifully put. It's not coming up for you to believe it. <laughs> it's coming yeah. up just to be cleared out. Yeah. And it does feel from a standpoint of mind, if you're going to make a judgment, it would feel horrible. So it's not pleasant. It's not something that you would typically apply desire to. But if you're going beyond desire and aversion and you're just it's just that, then it's just felt. And you have mm-hmm. the physiologic response. Maybe it's like a contraction. Maybe it's tears. Maybe it's, you know, that, the physical aspects of grief or sadness. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. And what, so, what is it? <laughs> sorry, I keep talking. No, no. I feel like I'm cutting you off all the time. It's, the, it's our delay in our, in our audio. Oh. No, yeah, you go. That's how it is. Well, I, I was just going to say like, in the old days, if I would allow emotion to surface and just feel it, especially sadness or grief, like maybe I'll watch a movie and I'll feel something very sad. And if I allow myself to really just let go into it or any kind of grief or sadness or empathy, like strongly felt, like really allow it without resistance mm-hmm. or without trying to repress it, um, it would trigger more often than not a week of a depressed mood, like uh, I could really shift the overall weather pattern of my brain to something that I considered at the time to be negative. Like, well, this is now I'm depressed. Like I shouldn't allow myself to feel those things because they, they rewire my brain in some way. And now I'm just seeing everything through this lens of grief. And, and I'm realizing now, cause now when I do that, I do it routinely. Like I just allow it unconditionally. It's mm. gone. And I feel mm-hmm. better and it has no effect on mood. In fact, I'm not sure I can say that I have a mood. Like the idea of mood implies a continuum over time. And instead it's just like, no, whatever is happening now is whatever it is that I don't understand what mood is. And um, yeah, and that's so different. And, and I wonder now thinking back on it, whether by allowing some of that emotion, more wanted to come up, but there was just enough perpetual repression that it showed up as this, you know, mood of depression. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had just really gone through all that shadow right there, <laughs> it would have been very different. But it's but it's hard to know. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think exactly what you described is what starts to really crumble. Um, only when the sense of self is really dissolving. Otherwise, you're right that it, it comes back as if it's a mood, as like you can you can sort of believe the labels that you put onto yourself. Oh, like yeah, the depression is coming back, or like my anxiety, or but here you can't really hold on to things that way. You can't make sense of things that way. So it's just really allowed, like fully allowed to be. And then it goes when it goes. And that, that's simply all that's happening, really. Yep, that's, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's a, it's yeah. a, there's nobody to hold. There's nobody. Identity almost wants to make itself real by holding on to a pattern of emotion and calling it mood, you know, mm. calling it depression, calling it anxiety. It's like, well, now it's my depression, my anxiety, um, exactly. my ADD, my OCD, my whatever. Um, mm -hmm. When that's gone, it's just like, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. And you feel it fully. People have this impression that like more spiritually realized people for some reason don't, they're, they're so even killed and they don't feel anything. It's like, quite the opposite. They feel everything very intensely, but they don't hold it. They don't own it. Mm. And mm -hmm. it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't reify and make real their identity. Cause yeah, they're, yeah. It's hard to describe though, because in a way I would say that I've been hollowed out or I'm, I'm still being hollowed out, but it feels so empty, but not in the way that the person thinks of as empty. Because mm. the person will think of empty as a bad thing or like you're missing something or it's a void. But no, this is absolutely full. So the emptiness in the body just made it so clear that actually there's only fullness and it's not bound by the body. It's everything. And mm. so then, so then emotions or feelings you can't really it, it's a very different felt sense because just a couple days ago I was crying and the tears came like sh like a stream it was like one tear after another and I don't and but I didn't really feel that much in the body because it was so full of what I don't know but it was just it's just constantly full it's not like I can't access the body because I know that I've actually probably processed a great deal of stuff. So I, I am in touch with the body, but to the point where there is no body anymore, you know, there's just everything. And then there's just a mm. stream of tears and I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. it that's just what was happening. It felt weird to me. It didn't feel like tears anymore. It didn't feel like crying. I don't know what was happening. That is just gorgeous. Mm. This this feeling of emptiness and fullness at the same time. It, it, there's a couple things. Like one was that the, the final episode of Beef. She talks about that. 
she says, there's this feeling of like, it's like a void right under the surface. And then he goes, no, it's not, it's, it's solid. And I think it's their way mm. of saying exactly that, emptiness and fullness. And Angelo mm. said it this way once at a, at a retreat, because someone asked him a question about, I forget what it was. And it was some standard spiritual thing like trope. And he said, well, actually, it's kind of like reality to him feels like a waveform where the peak of the wave is form and the trough of the wave is emptiness. And it's happening so fast that they're simultaneous. And then he said, in fact, it feels like that in the body. The body is this ecstatic vibration of form and emptiness happening and it's completely impersonal and it feels like like an ecstatic feeling. He said, I feel it right now. And mm -hmm. um, and when you were talking this way, it made me think about that. Really impossible mm -hmm. to describe. So he's using these scientific terms, but it, it I mean, that just, ugh, it's so close. It's like just, <laughs> you'd, I think you'd asked me the other day about, you know, the body and, or said something. And I said, yeah, it's not even the body anymore. It's everything. Like, mm. it's just, you drop in, the body is dropping into, you're not dropping into anything, but it's just, how do you even talk about it? Yeah. Um, but when we're mind identified, it's like my mind, my body, all kinds of inability to feel. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And then this whole, um, like recently, I think I've been kind of sensing that the whole contraction thing, no contraction, person, no person, self, no self. Um, yeah, it's like, it's really dissolving more fully. So I can't distinguish like, at all anymore. Mm. Yeah, so I think that was part of the feeling a little bit lost because I think when I talk to people, um, you know, there was an ability to feel like a little bit like, oh, okay, I... I kind of sense what I can point out to people, but I mean, it's always been quite empty and I was just pointing from, from nowhere, really not really planning, but I don't know, for some reason now it feels even emptier and I feel more directionless. I feel more like, um, It just feels silly that people are coming to me because I'm, I'm just like, it's not even that I don't know. It's just like, w what are we doing? This, there is, there's, it's literally difficult for me to see any difference anywhere, you know? It's so difficult for me to, um... I guess, remember, 
like what it was like to really feel like a person and feel separate and feel the struggle of wanting this. I think, and even when you talk about it, it's like there's a transmission where like, I feel like I'm right there. <laughs> and I mm -hmm. think <clears throat> that's why people come to you because you're exactly that nothing and that you don't see the distinctions, the separation, and you're just talking and it doesn't even matter what you're saying. It's, it's that, that knowing the understanding is transmitted on at least some level. And, uh, and that's, that's it. And I think if it were any other way, it wouldn't work. Um, if mm. anything were planned, you know, if there was a lot of that, it just, it just wouldn't work. I mean, that's kind of what, when I first saw your videos, I'm like, I don't know what this is. And I turned to Margaret and I was like, this is, there's something about this that's so clear. It's just, you're right there. Like it's clear she's right there. And what she's saying to the mind makes no sense. It's total gibberish. But to the from the understanding, it's like, oh, she's right there speaking from that. And I think that's what people who are sensitive are picking it up. And people who aren't ready for that, that's fine. They're not gonna be there. They, that's okay. And since there's no person to be offended by that, there's no, there's nothing to do. But it's funny because so much of our conditioning is, well, I wanna be helpful to people or I wanna, and you have the, the real beautiful helper personality type that, mm. that has that. Yeah. And now it's, it's kind of ironic actually in a way that <laughs> you mm. help people by being nothing, by doing nothing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is one thing to see with such innocence because I think I hated myself for, well, I was the helper, but then it went too far and I overgave. And then the anger and resentment was so extreme that my own suffering was the only thing I felt often. So mm. then it became really detrimental. Um, but the original sense, like when I was a kid, it was so innocent, you know? And, mm. but the majority of my life after that, like, I think I pretty much hated myself or, or really harshly judged the way I was and really thought that it should or could be different. And yeah, now it's really kind of. I guess it's just nice to fully be okay with how the body is and like the natural tendencies of it and that what is wrong with it? You know, why can't I be exactly the way I am? And that the falling away of needing to be like another, that I should be, let's say, more confident or more sure of myself or less giving, like whatever it is, I don't know. To have that not rise is like, oh, I guess that's peace. Hmm. 
it's uh it's it's the peace that passeth all understanding <laughs> mm. i mean it's really that simple that what you just described is liberation it's it's allowing everything to be exactly as it is especially on the quote unquote personal level which of course doesn't mm. exist but the that you know, if you really, if you just sum it all up, it's just that it's it, like awakening all of this stuff. The reason like the last few weeks have been so lovely is that there is that understanding more often than there isn't because doubts mm -hmm. and concerns that arises, but more often than not, it's like, oh, I'm just as I am, you know, mm. some, yeah. whatever it is, it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want to make a video. I don't want to make a video. I want to do my taxes. I want to do, I don't, don't want to do my taxes. I want, and it's just, but the, mm -hmm. the strange thing, yeah, just like a cat, what needs to be taken care of gets taken care of ultimately. Mm. Um, it just seems to, to be that that's how it is because we're not doing it. You know, mm -hmm. this is an unfolding. Yeah. Then it just becomes, you know, kind of a, it's like, what you were saying is like, there's just happiness. It's just like, oh, and happiness meaning there's nothing to change. It doesn't get better than mm -hmm. this because this is this is it. Mm -hmm. um, now, I would be lying if I said that I'm like that all day long because the conditioning is still very strong and there's still a lot of strong, there's still a lot of falling away that I feel is happening. It's like inevitable. It's like every day something surprises me. Oh, um, yeah. At, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really validating to hear someone like you, specifically you say, oh, this happened to me the other day and it's still falling away and it gets emptier and emptier and emptier. It's like, yeah. oh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> oh yeah. The more you can just like stop putting on a mask, you definitely don't do this, but I mean, for other people, like the more you can just stop putting on that spiritual mask and be like, oh, I should be over this by now. You know, like get over yourself mm. and just like let the emotion yeah. be there. It doesn't mean anything. It's just like, it's just, it's just there if it's there. And if you mm. need to work on the same story again, like that same conditioning is coming up again. Um, and by the way, I say this, but in the moment when it's coming up for me, it's like, oh, fuck. You know, there is still a bit <laughs> of that, oh, fuck. Um, that's, but it does natural. get a yeah. lot lighter. Yeah. That too is natural. Yeah. yeah. The response is totally natural. It's like, yeah, of course. I mean, you can't, you don't get rid of a lifetime of human conditioning of, oh gosh, here's a strong emotion. I'm just going to embrace it. Like the conditioning is like, oh shit, uh -huh. this is, this is a lot. Um, yeah, it's actually, even the conditioning is kind of beautiful when it's seen just as it is. You're like, oh, that's, that's again, mm. getting back to, getting back to beef. Like that last episode, like they just see, oh, this was all conditioning. You don't want to be lonely. You feel that there's places that you, you aren't, you should never be seen or you won't be loved, but I love you anyways. And I see them all and it's all innocent. Mm. And it's like, oh, and it's such a relief for them. You can see it. They're like, oh, and then they say like, you know, I'm glad we could do this, even though we're going to die. <laughs> And mm -hmm. he said, well, at least we got to, at least we got to do it once. I mean, you know, we, we really got to be mm -hmm. seen, got to see the innocence of it all. It's, it's really beautiful. Mm 
It was really beautiful. Up, it really was. Like, how is that mainstream media in any way? Like, it's uh -huh. really a good sign. <laughs> it's like, wow. Really I good. I mean, they, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I can't speak for the directors or whatever, but I think your interpretation is a lot deeper. You know, it, they just did psychedelics and had an experience of no self. And, <laughs> <laughs> and now they're back to so-called solid reality. <laughs> I totally figured that actually. I was like, yeah, it's just, I'm just overreading this, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? If you can overread it and have other people kind of see it that way, then the effect of that knowing may get a little transmission. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So many, mm -hmm. so many people do, do have that psychedelic journey and they have an experience like that. And then they come back and the ego co-ops it all and it's gone. Oh, totally. Uh, it was a nice, Actually, nice little memory. Yeah, yeah. And the identity can become uh, a little more trapped in ways. Well, maybe I shouldn't say mm. that, but, you know, it, it like gets all of these ideas of what that experience was and what it meant and what I'm going to do with it. And Totally, yeah. totally. That, that's where my own, my own verbal processing proclivity tends to co-opt like less so now, but if I'd have an experience like that, you know, ayahuasca or something, if I'd have an experience like that, then I would come back and it was energetically known what the experience was, this heart opening, you know, understanding, suffering, compassion, all the stuff that, that happened. But then I'd come back and I would really verbally process it. And then it became like a, almost an identity trapping, another thing that the ego wants to control oh, I understand this experience intellectually, so now I can use it in my life to be more open or whatever. That's not at all how this works. Like mm. it, it, it is a relinquishment. It's a complete surrender. In fact, the less you talk about it, um, probably the better. Uh, it's just, I find this particular body mind loves to fucking talk about all the things and try to verbalize mm -hmm. things that are not verbalizable. Um, and, it, mm. and, and since it's worked well for the body mind, <laughs> it, it, it continues to happen. But, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's such an energetic process, which was another thing that you really made clear, like just by your own presence. It's like, oh, this is all, this is a surrender process. Mm. You're just surrendering to this. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Like, I I don't think a year ago I would have really, well, it's impossible to know, but I could have never imagined how thoroughly the surrender actually is. And I could really understand um, maybe, maybe I'm uh misinterpreting this but certain things like this the concept of self-sacrifice you know like the person will really massively misinterpret that but if you just kind of generally overlay it to how energetically this feels of the death of self you are completely i don't know if sacrifice is the right word but it, you are like you said, relinquishing every single aspect of that self, of the sense of control, of this is my life, of 
of your entire world and it's it's so thorough that it's like whoa you have completely sacrificed your life you're gone you've disappeared it's that extreme and a little part of me was like oh i guess that's what that meant in a way but i'm mm. not sure i might have made that up mm. <laughs> oh it sounds oh man you know when you when you talk about that and i know i know what you're pointing at and and yet i know instinctively that that degree of relinquishment a full surrender um hasn't energetically happened here yet like it feels like it's happening in layers like bits of onion layer are kind of peeling away and and maybe some will come yeah. a piece a piece comes back and sticks by static electricity and then it comes off again and it's like a mm -hmm. like this undulating thing but the directionality is the onion keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller as opposed to say a that full relinquishment which i think can happen mm -hmm. where it's just poof, it's gone the <laughs> yeah the, yeah I think it's pretty yeah. rare that it would happen all of a sudden. So I do think it takes apparent time. Mm. Mm. Yeah, apparent, exactly. Yeah. 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 Your, um, the David Carr's book, Perfect Brilliant Stillness, that mm. I think you've mentioned on your show, you mentioned to me, I, I've been listening to it on audiobook and I'm getting near the end. And I was sitting, I'd taken my, Nina, my oldest daughter, to her English thing. And I was sitting for an hour in the parking lot waiting for her. And I thought, oh, let mm. me listen to this. And um, it was a section he was talking about time and space and that they're not, you know, they're they're basically not ri not real, but, mm. but different ways to point at that. And he did a Q&A with somebody and he said, um, no, we use the illusion, we use the analogy of the dream but we could use a more modern analogy and call reality like this a hologram. So in a sense, mm. the hologram, you know, in a sense, the hologram is real because it is a real appearance. You are really experiencing, I mean, the hologram is happening in the sense that the appearance is known as itself. It is there and in, in the sense that it's known, but it's also not at all what you think it is. It's not the solid thing. And so the questioner said, well, but, but I don't understand because the real world feels substantial. A hologram, you can pass your hand through it, but the real world, you touch a table and it doesn't go through. Like this is a real, it's a real object mm -hmm. and a real subject is what it feels like. And, and Carr said, ah, so can you imagine a situation where a hologram would feel substantial and the guy goes, well, I guess if the subject was a hologram too. <laughs> and then he just kind of <laughs> goes silent <laughs> and <laughs> the mind kind of stops and, oh, right. Hmm. And it's just these really clever ways of pointing at the ineffable, like the unknowable mm. by the mind that are so that yeah. he does it so brilliantly. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Because the subject, There's... yeah, it's not just that the world is 
not not what you think. The subject is not what you think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The subject yeah. creates its reality. And yes. only yeah, only when that subject is seen to be a hologram, then everything else is a hologram. C- collapses into into appearance. Yeah. 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 It's so crazy. It's so, it becomes so, so obvious that uh, I'm going to put this in really simplistic terms. So I wouldn't really say this to everyone, but it's become so obvious that any type of manipulation of the thoughts, feelings, body, anything else is not it. It's impossible and it's a fool's errand because all that needs to really happen is this energetic internal death that thinks that it can control the thoughts, emotions, external circumstances. Mm-hmm. So you're just going around in circles trying to fix your your thoughts, be more happy or stay more present or uh, feel more peace. And <laughs> yeah, the only death of that energetic sense is going to the deepest, darkest places which you don't willingly really do, but going to those places that intensified the seeking to begin with. If that makes sense. Oh, wow. Because if I think about it, it was the the sexual trauma. It was the self-hatred and the shame around that that really propelled the seeking to an extent that I, I wanted to, yeah, escape myself. And little did I know that, no, you could never have ex- escaped yourself. You actually needed to merge completely with yourself in a way. <laughs> mm. Mm. That's everything. That last minute of what you said, that's everything in my experience mm. too. That's, that's everything. It's, it, it's what Joseph Campbell said, you know, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. It is the darkest place that you have to shine the light. And that's why that's another, I'm going to go right back <laughs> to beef, but the, yeah. the title of that the title of the last episode, Figures of Light, from Carl Jung, saying you don't yeah. get enlightened by imagining figures of light. You do so by making the darkness conscious, by going where where the identity is yeah. trying to protect, where the identity is fa- making itself real, because it's it's making you look away from this place that it's telling you you can't look. Mm. Um, yeah. And when you look, when you die into it, you just go, oh, looking here is going to kill me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's going to kill the, kill the identity. And what you said about, it's really just about everything else you're doing is rearranging deck chairs in the dream. Mm-hmm. If you want to wake up from the dream and see it as a lucid dream and just experience it as it is, you have to die. That separate sense of self, the doer, the dreamer has to die so that you see mm-hmm. it's just the dream. And that's all there is. That's all, that's all there is. And if you tell people that directly, 
like you said, you wouldn't tell everyone that because it just is, they're not, that's not what they are ready to hear. There's too much defense and too much obfuscation yeah. and too much mind. But when you are ready for that, I mean, that's yeah. basically what happened here. It's what happened here. It's what happened to Margaret. It's, it was just like, oh, so much pain. Like where you, when you look <laughs> in the dark, in the darkest place and then you realize, oh, but it, it never was what you thought. You know, it's yeah. totally innocent, you know? And again, mm -hmm. the end of beef, same thing. They look right in the darkest place. They show each other, you know, the shame. Uh, yeah, really beautiful. I don't know that they intended all that. Like you said, it was probably just, hey, they had a psychedelic trip and came to terms mm. <laughs> and went, and went yeah. back. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really loved... Um when they showed that witch that kind oh, of haunted her. So good, yeah. Yeah, it's so good because that's exactly how I felt. It was more like, if anyone finds this out about you, mm. you're completely, you're broken. You're broken beyond broken. You're just, mm. you're not lovable. Like, mm. there, yeah, there was so much. And I think that's why. I wouldn't say this to everyone. It's more about softening those, that conditioning that either just mm. formed in your mind or someone told you that this is bad. Um, like sometimes it is nice to soften those things because you can see when it forms as a young child and then, and then you continue to live that way, how ingrained that can be. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 fact that they used a witch face, that whole it was it's so silly on one level, right? You're like, this is like when it happens, you're like, what is this? You know, she's uh -huh. having sex in that hotel room and there's so much shame. Mm. You can just like shame is like oozing out of the TV at that point. You just can't even believe it. Mm -hmm. And then she looks in the mirror and sees this childish, yeah. oh, weird. So creepy. Yeah. So creepy and weird. And you're like, what? And then when it's ex kind of virtually explained later, you realize, of course, that image mm. to a child is mm -hmm. horrifying. It's exactly it. And and here it is, and it's brought into adulthood in this distorted way, and it's driving so much of her behavior even now, totally unconsciously. Um, yeah, I mean, this is that's just it's remarkable that they were able to do that, you know, in a in a mainstream mm. TV show on a mainstream Netflix. Like it's really crazy. Mm. Um, but yeah, it hit very close. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, that's a thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the unlovability. Beef should pay you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're, you, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny. You're good at promoting Gary. it. <laughs> I know, I know. People are all kinds of people in the comments like, well, I stopped watching it after the first couple episodes because it was too painful, but now I went back and started watching it. And you're right. And I was like, mm. oh, do these guys need to pay me? Uh, my friend Gary, <laughs> who the Mount Tam guy who's been on my show, he, he, he has a lot of connections in the film industry because he's a filmmaker. And he um, emailed uh -huh. the talent agency that represents the actors in that and was like, hey, you guys should watch this video. Show it to Steve Yun and um, Ali Wong because he this guy's kind of put his finger on a deeper aspect of what you were showing. <laughs> which, and uh, so, of course, he's going to be totally ignored. But, yeah, it was kind of sweet that he did that.
Oh, that's that's really <laughs> sweet. Yeah, he's a people he's love a, you, Zubin. No, he's just pure love. That's Gary. Oh. <laughs> he just loves loves reality, loves truth, loves everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We. I think we did a podcast here. I don't know, or we just had a mm. lovely conversation. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! I hope my computer's still recorded because my computer oh. just. Uh... If it didn't, then it doesn't. Yeah. It went to sleep. Well, it says an hour 23, so it probably did yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, that's it. That's what mine says, too. Okay. We're aligned. The universe is synchronized. Okay. <laughs> sweet. Uh, sweet. There's no transmission. There's no what? There's no transmission. Zero. Nothing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> pure I emptiness. think maybe... <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe it triggers me a little when it when people say transmission, because it just ah. I like I know I know what they mean, and in a way, okay, I get it, but in a way, it's like it sounds special. Yes. So I just want to like yeah, cut that. Ah, <laughs> uh, hey, all right, you're gonna train me. You're gonna recondition my my use of language. I'm gonna say. What is that? Just going to say it's just life lifing and there's a synchronicity to it that's <laughs> inevitable. It's just what it is. And it shows up it shows up in the relative world. The mind will put it together as I this realization was transmitted by Suzanne to X. Oh my god. Yeah, that's how it, that's how it shows up. <laughs> so, you're going to roll your eyes at it because it is the dream character. The dream character trying to make sense of something that's not what it, not that's not what it is you know what it's fine to use that word but it's it's good to constantly i guess preface it by saying like your mind will automatically think that we'll put a lot of specialness to that ah yes just just notice that that's awesome that's a great that's a that's a great transmission suzanne Oh my God, I got to kill you. <laughs> Man, so you've been hanging out in your cemetery a bit, uh, sending me really yeah. cool videos of really cool stones that say really infinitely mm, true things. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that nice? Really nice. Yeah. I think the, the one you yeah. sent me was, it was, a, it was two separate headstones that were curved and they formed a single unit and you rotated around it and it said in my beginning is my end and then the other headstone said in my end is my beginning and it was so beautiful because yeah. it was set up as a circle uh, <sighs> yeah so good yeah i was like damn dude my gravestone's gonna say here lies a beavis and butthead fan <laughs> be something very concrete <laughs> 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 so do you have big non-plans today um i think i speak to one person later on today oh beautiful how about yeah yeah maybe i'll go to the cemetery how about you hell yeah i am meeting a uh, person that i met the other day who's this like incredibly oh, awake yeah, yeah. human being yeah yeah down in Palo Alto, mm -hmm. we're going to have coffee just because we're like, well, the universe has kind of seen to it that we like to hang out. So we're going to do that and talk about nothing. Aww. It's going to be great. 
Yeah. Nice. Then I'm then I'm gonna lift weights with my boyfriend Harry, which is just social hour. That's in the afternoon. Dr. Harry mm-hmm. is my best friend from med school, who my wife calls my boyfriend because I'll often leave her to go, you know, hang out in his garage and like, yeah, bro, we're lifting weights. We hardly lift weights. We just talk shit and make jokes and sing 80 songs because <laughs> we're old. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Nice. Dude. Yeah. So, um, well, I will, yeah. um, yeah, we'll see if we'll see what we do with this. I'll, uh. I'll throw it together and send you a copy. And if people like mm. it and we, we decide to put it out, lovely. Maybe we make our own separate podcast or maybe we put it out just for our Patreon types or maybe we mm. put it out on the big podcast or maybe none of it matters because it's just going to, whatever happens is exactly what's going to happen. Mm. Yeah, that sounds good. No, it was really nice. It was really nice to like, uh, yeah, talk about beef interspersed here and there and <laughs> yeah it all, I like it the way you went well you said I like the way you said it I like you know talking about beef you just kind of like <laughs> you you really owned you owned it you know a lot of people don't own it they're, they're like beef no 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 no, no. Suzanne, it's beef <laughs> <laughs> it's what's for dinner oh beef. yeah this was lovely Oh wow! Damn, dude, control yourself. That's uh. I'm gonna manhandle you, Zubin. (laughs) (laughs) You 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 have an outsized scary personality for someone, you know, who doesn't exist. It's really pretty impressive. I know. I have I have a little bit of a meanness. It's it's like an innocent meanness, but there's a meanness. Yeah. Ah, dude, that's why that, I think that, that may be why the personalities like each other a little, because we are, I have that too. Like, like it's kind of like an edgy, my, 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 my buddy in high school who I used to live with used to say that he really liked it when I would smoke weed. And I was like, why? Uh I'm like, totally, totally like mellowed out in the corner, like talking about the fourth dimension. And he said, it's because it takes this edge off your personality, this like meanness that you have. And oh. I was like, Ooh, I took it, I took it very personally, of course. I, cause I had so much like self hate that I was like, uh-huh. I am a mean person. Jeez, man, what's wrong with me? It's, it, you know, and of course the meanness was just, it was conditioning and it was just like a way of having a banter and kind of keeping yourself safe and putting a little distance and, you know, in comedy meanness is kind of, it's a, it's a nice asset. Cause it, it just, mm. there's a, there's an element of that edge to it. Um, but now it feels very light. It's much more like like a silliness, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which is how you're yours harmless. Feels. Yeah. yeah, I'm harmless. <laughs> <laughs> We're like both of us are looking in the mirror and just seeing that witch looking back at us. I'll never tell. Oh God. Creepy. Yeah. Ooh, so creepy. Oh, Ali Wong, man. She's good. She's really. She's really good. You know. Yeah. Really, really Her good. Her stand-ups yeah. are raunchy. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I'm telling you, she is like full unconscious, just like goes, just takes it to the darkest places. That's what I love about mm. it. And, um, <laughs> and you know what was it was interesting is that was a very, it was a very Asia-centric show in a sense, but mm-hmm. it was also, it was also very inclusive of like all of, you know, that's just how humans are. But it's cool that they told it from the standpoint of 
the immigrant shame, you know, like the never being good enough for your parents and even the Korean cultural aspects that they kind of intersperse with um, their cousin who was like, dude, you need to use the right, you know, you need to refer to me as your older or whatever. I, I don't know the terms, mm. but, and he's like, stop fucking around. Those are Korean rules. They're not my rules. Like, you gotta do this. <laughs> yeah, I was like laughing. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, but but what was funny is the only two people, and again, these are a lot of spoilers, uh, but you know, honestly, if you've listened this far, <laughs> you've already gotten all the spoilers. Right. But like the, yeah. o- the only two people who die in in the whole series are white people. Did you notice that? Oh, is that so? Yeah, I, I noticed that and I was like, that's kind of racist. <laughs> <laughs> It was probably unconscious or maybe they did it consciously. But the only two people to literally lose their lives are, you know, the billionaire woman and the um, white dude who's part of their crew. The other guys are conspicuously alive despite incredible odds. Mm. Yeah. I was like, ooh, look at that. Yeah. Ali Wong. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) You, You definitely picked up on things where I was, I don't think I was... I don't know what I was watching <laughs> when I when I when I watched your uh, take on it. I I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, it just depends on how much attention you're you're pouring into certain aspects, and uh, yeah. I think that's what it is because because I think so much about how people make such a big deal about race and identity and all of that. And so then I was like, oh, I picked up that they they keep making these snide comments about, oh, you know, Western therapy doesn't work on an Eastern mind. Or <laughs> dude, don't let that white devil, you know, control you. Like, cause he thought he thought his brother's girlfriend was white. And the whole time he's like, God, this woman's so manipulative. And it turns out to be Ali Wong. And you're like, oh, that's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really, really well done. <laughs> 